Hello, welcome to our very new podcast. I'm Stephen Mather. I'm trained as an organizational psychologist. My day job is as a leadership and management trainer, though. So welcome to the podcast. We're calling Challenging Leadership. So I'm going to introduce uh, my co-host today, Jared Scott. Welcome, Jared. Hey there. How are you doing today? Um, I'm Jared, as Stephen mentioned, and uh, my background is with training. I am a training manager for a, a large global company, and I've always been interested in leadership. And so I'm looking forward to the opportunity to discuss various nuances and topics related to this. Right. So I think one of the things that I certainly want to do with this podcast is to, you know, start, I suppose that the name of the podcast is a giveaway. It's challenging leadership. So I want to start challenging some of the the myths and, uh, you know, assumptions that probably we all have about leadership and ask the question, sure. you know, what do we know and how do we know it? How much do we really know about this topic? Absolutely. I have to agree with you on that because, you know, I mean, we all can think right away of all the bad leaders that we've dealt with in life. And ultimately it's like, well, how can we fix or correct those behaviors in ourselves first? And then also look to ways to uh, learn from others that have set great examples when it comes to leadership. Yeah. So I guess that's one way of trying to work out what good leadership actually is, is by looking at examples and saying, well, you know, this is a, an example of good leadership. This is an, an example of bad leadership. And then, of course, you get into all sorts of challenges around well, what does good and bad actually mean? What do we mean? How are you measuring that? So maybe we can talk about some of that stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's there's varying opinions on that. I mean, mm. uh, I think that if you ask two different people, they may say one, oh, that's a great leader. And the other person will say, oh, that was a horrible leader. So there's definitely some uh, opinions that will get involved. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, uh, and listeners, um, if you're listening for the first time, you you will not fail to notice that we have different accents. So we're from different sides of the pond. Um, and we thought that might be quite interesting as well, because, you know, there are cultural differences around leadership. You've also done some work in Europe, I know, Jared. So, you yes. you know, I think we've got a perspective there that might be quite interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And today we we thought we'd kick off with a subject that we're both kind of interested in. I, I'm particularly interested in it um, from my studies is the idea of charismatic leadership. So that's our topic for today. Um, and, you know, I've sort of thrown at you the, the, the question of, of whether it's always a good thing or whether charismatic leadership is actually something we should aspire to. Is it good? Um, if it is, what is it? And, how can we use it? So that's that's our topic for today. Um, and again, I think we should challenge some of the assumptions that people have around charisma. Uh, let's let's kick off with that. So we, we need to understand what we're talking about. What are we talking about, Jared, when it comes to charisma? Oh, yeah. Um, when I was thinking about charisma, it's like someone that captures your attention. So maybe not necessarily thinking of a leader, but I was thinking about maybe you've seen a political person or um somebody in history that, wow, they just, when they could command an audience of several hundred thousand people. Um, and there's good and bad examples with that. I thought about um, Adolf Hitler, obviously bad example, but he was definitely charismatic. Um, you think about Nelson Mandela. Uh, he was another individual that was very charismatic. And uh, some would say that it was a very positive uh, type of uh, leadership that he, he displayed um, and able to unite a country. So when I think about charisma, uh, you know, you say some people have it and some people do not, uh, but charisma, definitely you can see it's hard to maintain. 
So that's that's something that can that can uh, definitely bite you if that's what we're leaning on all the time. So what is a uh, what? So you said it's it's something around the way that people communicate. I think so. You know, they just sort of have this yeah. thing. Um, yeah. They demand attention. I think you said. Oh yeah, they, they, it's, it's the way they speak. The way that um, you know they they might have a little light show going on with them where they hit you with certain sounds and lights. Um, I know that uh, uh, Hitler actually studied that, where it was uh, how to how to capture people's attention with his uh, his gestures. You know, hitting him at a certain moment when there'd be some sound that they would play or lights, um, and you'll see that even with some of the. Uh, I call them tele televangelists or these mega churches where they will, they will utilize light and sound in order to elicit an emotional response. And ultimately that's where the charismatic leader is uh, going for. He's going to grab people's emotions and um, that can be pretty easy, especially if you have the right audience. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So there's an emotional element to this. Um, charisma seems to uh, generate an emotional response and, it, it it's also in the eye of the beholder a bit as well. So yeah, we can see that certain leaders, some people find charismatic, um, whereas other people don't. So um, that's quite a difficult thing to study if it's not, you know, if it's mm -hmm. not a single thing, I guess. Um, yeah. I guess the, um, from an academic perspective, the, the, the first person to really start studying this as a, an academic question was the philosopher Max Faber, um, and he talked about this. Um, he said it's uh, well, I'll read you the quote. He said it's a certain quality sure. of an uh, of an individual personality by virtue of which he is set apart from ordinary men and treated as endowed with supernatural, superhuman or at least specifically exceptional powers or qualities. Uh, he goes on, um, which philosophers do. Uh, these are not accessible to the ordinary person, but are regarded as of divine origin or as exemplary. And on the basis of them, the individual concerned is treated as a leader. So that's quite interesting, I think. Um, that's that's the definition that, that Weber uses. And, and um, looking at the... Uh, the etymology of the word it's actually a greek word which sounds exactly the same charisma um but said with a greek accent which i won't try and pretend to do <laughs> but um do I. this is like a gift from god essentially so it's it's this idea yeah. that that the person has this sort of divine quality to them um and that's that's where it kind of comes from originally which is interesting that's very interesting. I um, uh, and it's funny because it almost goes in line with how some of these charismatic leaders are viewed. They're worshipped mm. almost as a deity, yeah. um, and and I think that it builds their ego up tremendously. And then once they've determined they have that type of control, then the danger is it turns from leading to manipulating. Um, yeah, especially once 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 they get their their talons in the heart, then uh, they're able to lead that individual. And, and it could be a good thing, but oftentimes um, I, I've seen it and you've probably seen it as well. They can use it to manipulate for their own selfish desires and what they want to get out of it. Yeah. So it, it feels to me like it's a, it's quite a tricky concept, you know, is it something that, so as a, as a, um, a trainer yourself and, and I'm the same, we, we both train people in leadership 
and management skills. Um, is charisma something or charismatic leadership something that you would train people? What, what's uh, what's your experience with that? Yeah, well, it's it's funny. Um, I was just talking about this with a couple of colleagues of mine, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, you have to have some type of charisma. I mean, no one wants to watch paint dry when you're teaching a class, <laughs> even though some of the topics can get very dry, especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about engineering things. But that being said, one of the things that maybe you've seen this too is you go to this great seminar and the speaker is phenomenal and they get you all pumped up. But then after that, it's it's kind of like there's nothing to it. It's almost like, um, you know, you go have your favorite dessert and while you're enjoying it, it is great. And then you go step on the scale the next day and you feel horrible. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and that's almost like the opposite of what we want to accomplish when we're trying to educate individuals. I'm thinking from a training perspective, hey, let's let's give them something that they can chew on after the fact. Whereas, you know, many people, they, they go and uh, they go to these classes or even say these charismatic leaders and they get, they get this emotional high and you come down off of it right afterwards. So there's, there's no staying power with it. So what do they do? It's just like being addicted to any substance or even food. You're like, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to forget about the fact that I didn't really get any value I'm going to just go back. And so there's that rinse and repeat cycle that occurs a lot of times when you have these individuals because they're they're gathering the attention on themselves rather than on the topic that they're trying to teach. And um, yeah. so, again, that's that's a struggle because there's no there's no benefit to it other than for the person that's leading. I think that's a really good point. And that's, as you're speaking, I was thinking that I think the difference there is is that this sort of charismatic leader is really all about their ego, isn't it? It's about them um, being the sole uh, place to come. And that might be also because they want to sell more books or more, more sure. courses or something. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the downsides of, of charisma, I guess, is that it, it, it can focus um, on the individual as opposed to the, the outcome that you, you're trying to look for. So as, as a leader, mm-hmm. Um, one of the important things to do as a leader is to achieve goals, is to achieve objectives with your team. Absolutely. Um, and I guess a, a charismatic leader that actually isn't very effective of doing that, but they just are able to demand attention when they walk in the room, everybody looks at them and everybody kind of is in awe. But if they're actually not achieving goals and objectives, I would argue that's like you described it really. It's empty calories. It's um, it's junk food for for leadership really. Yeah, it is. And I mean, if you were to look at, I guess, the way I define a good leader is somebody that creates more leaders. Yeah, and in a charismatic leader, they're wanting to create more followers. And there's there's maybe the fundamental difference that I see between the two. So if you use charisma in order to get people to realize they have potential, I, I totally understand that. I mean, you think I as you can tell, I love food analogies, but <laughs> I think about it, it's like what captures your attention on the menu. If they have a picture of something, oh, that looks interesting, you know, and it's like, and then when you actually try it and, it and then it lives up to the way it appeared, then, hey, now you've really got something. You'll remember that experience with charisma. It's almost like that picture. And then there's not the actual result at the end, you know, so it's it's ultimately, I think, what the end game is. And like you mentioned the ego gets into play and, and people don't want to share the limelight or the spotlight yeah. with others. They want to have, because one, they lose control when other people are involved with their decision-making. So that's, that's maybe another negative thing to think about when it comes to that. 
Yeah, so John Antonakis is a very interesting researcher, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but he talked about uh, charisma as being a symbolic way of communicating. Uh, it's values-laden but symbolic. And by, by this, what he means is that um, you're, you're sending signals about who you are and what you are. And those signals are things that people value, people think are good. So the, the perhaps the best example he gives on this is one of the things that charismatic communicators do is that they they use stories in the way that they tell or try to put a point across. So rather than saying, you know, the best way to do something in this situation is X, Y, Z, they'll say, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story that happened to me. And they'll tell you about an example or a story um, about that situation. And that's one of the things that charismatic communicators do. They also use humor. Um, and mm -hmm. that's another way of, of demonstrating charisma. If you use humor in your delivery, in your communication, then people see you as charismatic. And the point he makes is what he thinks is going on here is that actually what you're signaling is that I'm so confident I'm so competent that I can take risks um, because it's a lot easier just to, to give people the ABC or something than it is to sure tell is. them a story and engage them. And it's a lot easier mm -hmm. to just say it straight without a joke in it with all the risks inherent in telling jokes or being funny. Um, and so yeah. what he says is actually what's happening here is people are picking up on the fact that you are so confident and so competent that you can take these risks and yet still deliver. Um, and that's, I think that's really interesting. That is, um, I never thought of it that way, but mm. definitely there, there's a positive view of get, gaining an emotional connection. Cause I know, uh, humor, humor does definitely, uh, reach, reach into us and we'll remember that, you know, but it, there's a risk because I know I've, uh, I've tried the humor route. Uh, I had a friend <laughs> yes. one time, uh, he's, he's like, just be natural. Don't try to plan something that's funny. It's going to fall flat. And so I didn't listen to him. I should have. And <laughs> and I had everybody in the room, all these top level managers just staring at me. And then the sweat beads start coming down the forehead. And <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, but there is a, there's an inherent risk with uh, humor, definitely, or, or telling a story, but, but uh, you'd capture the attention, but I never thought of it in that light. You yeah, know, and, and you know you're showing vulnerability. Absolutely. Well, and you're you're demonstrating that you you are so confident and you are good at what you're doing, and so you can take yeah. those sorts of risks. Um, and so this this risk taking is part of it. You know, uh, I mean, I don't know about research into this, but perhaps related to this is the fact that I think um, I think most people, if we're honest with ourselves, are quite worried that everybody else seems to have their shit together apart from us. You know? Absolutely. 100% <laughs> agree with you. 100% so, agree with you. And I think yeah. I think what what a charismatic charismatic person does is they they seem to um enable you to have faith and confidence in them that they know what they're doing and if I just stay with them if I if I go along with them then I'm going to be okay because they have definitely got it together so you know I'm going to stick with them because they know what they're doing and and I think that's another element of why people are drawn to confidence and charisma because it's like this, oh well I just want to make sure that I'm I'm on the right side and this this person looks like they are um so that's Absolutely. another another reason for it 
Yeah, I was thinking too, you know, I mean, if you're looking at a, a pro to a charismatic leader would be their visionary many times. And um, I was thinking about that they have this vision and they want to, they want to find people that want to share that vision. And if you, I mean, I just think about if, if you and I happen to agree on the same thing, it's like, oh, I've got, I've got a, a teammate now um, in these charismatic leaders. I'm thinking in some cases that can help you to establish great movements if they're in the right direction, obviously we know they can go quite wrong, but just in a smaller role, perhaps just in a department, in a company, being able to have the, those that report to you uh, be able to follow along with some vision that you have. And then if you share that vision, then you can accomplish a lot of things. You're basically getting all the arrows to fly in the same direction. And um, that's, that's something that, that you have to have that charisma though, to, to capture their attention, not just read a, read a paper and say, I think that we should do this, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then they're like, wow, he doesn't sound very confident in that. Yeah, so so here's a here's a question then, Jared. What what um what happens then if as a leader your team are simply not bought into your vision? You know, so maybe you have a vision to accomplish some project or something that, that the team it's important for you to deliver this project, but for the team members, they they don't have that same sense um of it mattering to them. So yeah. what what is the charismatic person doing to to still get them to be engaged with this project because I think this is at the heart of the both the the skill and the risk of uh charisma in the workplace so in your experience what what is going on here how how is this leader able to um get everybody pulling in the same direction yeah, that, well, that that definitely is something that uh, happens. Um, we we all have our own opinions, and we have our own way we think is right. And but uh, I think adaptability is so important as a charismatic leader. And you can't be adaptable if you don't understand one your audience. And in this case, right. the individuals that you're leading, um, how do they, how do they like to go about doing things? Um, so yeah. that's. To me, you have to be able to build strong relationships with those that you are trying to lead. You just can't lead them at face value. Um, and that's that's probably where you get into uh, the difference between, say, upper management or, say, CEO, who just sees I have 30,000 people underneath me or half a million people and someone who's working in a department where maybe it's only 10 people. And they can they can really, hey, I know I know them. I know what makes them tick. And then you can take that and become more adaptable so that you're, again, leading them because, you know, there's a there's a certain amount of authority that's granted those in managerial or leadership roles. But you uh, the last thing I know I'd ever want to do is say you have to do this because I said so. Right. That doesn't work right as a father, maybe, <laughs> you know, think about it in a house. You know, it's, it's better if you can get them just to come to that realization on their own. Mm. And um, I think, too, it's it's like another food analogy, but it's like, you know, you don't have to, as the chef become highly offended if the patron wants to change it up a little bit. I was wondering if I could have this removed from the salad or could you add a little more of this? Mm. You're still having the salad though. So when you're talking about a, a vision or a goal you're trying to reach, it doesn't have to be to the T exactly what you want. It's more about you're reaching a goal that is a concept, that is a plan rather than I have to do everything exactly so. So that's 
that's something okay. that I've I've that's found is build strong relationships, mm. but be be adaptable or flexible in your leadership. That's interesting. So you're suggesting that um, we benefit in getting to know our team members. So let's let's imagine we're we're talking about a team where you can get to know your yeah. team members individually. Sure. So you get to know them and you you work out what what makes them tick if you like and what they're interested in what they care about um and then i guess it's somehow about about giving them opportunities to have some of that stuff if you like that they want that they need as part of 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 the vision of part of what you're doing so this requires adaptability from you as a manager or leader doesn't it it does there's so many moving pieces too you Mm. you think about any big project. It's not just one thing. There's planning. Um, someone's got to create media. Someone's got to, you know, create the PowerPoint or whatever it may be. And it made me think about, and I'm paraphrasing it, but um, Albert Einstein, uh, he he said something to the line of, if you try to judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, then uh, you'd think that was just not a very good fish. It's a terrible <laughs> fish, you know? So it's, it's, it's basically understanding what, what are your, what are your team, what is your team's strengths and weaknesses? And um, there's some some leaders can become very bullheaded and they're just like, no, I'm going to force them to be able to do this. And it's like, you don't do that. You think about it like um, with uh, with football, you have you have some people. It's like, hey, they just need to be the the goalkeeper. That it, they they are not fleet of foot, <laughs> you know. Or you need a striker. Every every uh, and you like how I'm talking about. I called it football instead of. You I'm, know, I'm very impressed by that. Joe. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's a character. They want you to worry. Oh no, he's going to talk about American football, and nobody's. <laughs> I lost half the audience, but uh, but I I do I do actually like soccer or football. But um, anyway, um, Leeds United fan, by the way. Oh no! Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Really you're going to hang up on me. <laughs> but. You, you know, look at how they analyze people's strengths and weaknesses, and they're wanting to win. So they put the people that are strong in the positions where they will best suit the needs of the team. And and for some reason, then when we get to a business environment, it's like that all goes out the door. And there's this ego, like, I have to force people to do something because this is what I'm good at, and they need to be good at it. And it's not that you want to, it's not that you want to just dismiss the weaknesses, you want people to grow and get stronger and get better. But again, why would you have somebody do X when they're extremely good at Y (laughs) and you have somebody else that's extremely good at X? So put them over there. It's to me, it's that again, that adaptability, but you have to know your team's strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes those things aren't at face value. You have to dig a little deeper. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. So, um, yeah, using people's strengths and and building to them. And that actually relates quite nicely to another bit of theory um, that um, I, I found on my research into this topic so there's a um there's quite a lot of research around this by uh some academics called shamir house and arthur uh, i'll put the links in the uh the show notes below and this is a lot of psychological theories like this that that we have basic psychological needs and identifying what those basic needs are is kind of important because then as a leader and a manager, we can provide opportunity for people to satisfy those basic needs. So this particular model relates to uh, charismatic leadership or transformational leadership. And according to this model, there are four different needs that people want to fill. Uh, And those are competence, power, a sense of achievement, and the ability to cope with their environment. So if you think about the workplace, um, if we don't have those, 
at least to some degree, then we get very downhearted, you know, so competence, if we don't feel like we're competent, and this relates to your point, how as leaders, we need to be drawing on people's strengths. That's not to say that we don't want to give people a chance to develop and, and work on weaknesses, but um, but we want to make sure they feel competent. If they don't feel competent, then they're not going to buy into or they're not going to work towards this vision that we might have. And uh, if we make so it true. so that it's so difficult for them, you know, they're not going to feel that um, that desire to to do anything to, to contribute to it. Um, another one though is power. So if people feel so powerless that basically they've just got to do what you tell them. So you bark orders at them and they do it, that they feel completely powerless. They have no agency. Um, that's another reason why people would see the leader as not very charismatic. You know, I'm just basically told what to do. So again, this is really interesting. Charismatic leadership in a way we're back to this risk thing again, in that there is a certain risk in, or it feels like there is a risk in giving more power to your team members in, in loosening the, the ties, if you like, in, in letting people make decisions for themselves. But it, it actually, what it does is it helps them fulfill these basic psychological needs. So I think that's, that's also what's going on with, with charisma. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's interesting. You talk about competencies and, it seems like most charismatic leaders don't focus on competence. It's almost uh, I'll liken them to the the stereotypical used car salesperson, where they're they're like they don't care if you're a good driver or not. They just want you to get the car off the lot. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just yeah. buy buy me. They're they're selling themselves, and um, they're going to prioritize charisma and charm over competence and expertise. And um, Basically, again, what does that do? Now you've got people making decisions based on emotion rather than that competency or that expertise. So it's a, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Yeah. So we've we've talked about some of the positives. So let's let's get into some of the the, the negatives um, or the risks of it. So you've kind of touched upon some of these already. I guess I see it as a, if we see it as a superpower, then that that is kind of um, kind of a useful way to think about it you know so the 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 old um example of peter parker spider-man's we're um, thinking the same thing yeah yeah. (laughs) so what does great power bring with it right great responsibility absolutely (laughs) yeah but but this is true isn't it you can use your power for good or evil and i think this is Mm -hmm. unfortunately uh the same with charisma you know it's um if you are able to align other people's goals and wants and needs with your own, then that's almost like a superpower. And there are ways to do that. And if you can communicate in a way that people see you as being a risk taker, but somebody who's always able to achieve their goals, then again, that's that actually gives you quite a lot of power. So risks associated with that. You've already mentioned a couple of them, but but sure. your thoughts on that. I think another risk is um, over-dependence on the leader. Interesting. You know, uh, because because ultimately we all know we can't be present 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, I do enjoy taking a holiday or vacation ever so often. And, um, you know, if, if, if your department falls apart or those that you're leading falls apart when you're away, then uh, maybe they become over-dependent on you. So there's a, there's a challenge with charisma, but they almost, uh, those, those ones that are leading in a bad way with that charisma, it's like they created their own problem. So 
they're, they're so focused on themselves that they, mm. they haven't taught their, their other individuals how to lead, how to be able to handle things. Um, and that could be just as simple as just poor communication. But I think it goes beyond that. It's just more of a behavior that's instilled in individuals where they're just they're sitting there at the attention. And um, I'll, I'll throw my mom into this a little bit. My mom, <laughs> uh, she loved she loved charismatic people and she loved her uh, her brother-in-law because he was just quite he 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 uh, was quite the charismatic guy. I mean, play the piano and everything and, and all that. But it was just like, when he wasn't around, it was like, she's just like, I don't know what to do, you know? And, and um, so, so that, that can happen at a familial level, but also just in, in, in the world we live in, in the, in the business world in particular, if, if you are that type of person where you, uh, you lead that charismatic leadership, they're, they're just like, well, what do I do if you're not around? But the reality is you can't be around all the time. You can't be there. Um, even those that, uh, another, that's a whole nother podcast on maybe micromanagement, but, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but micromanagers still can't be there around all the time. And so what do you see happens when a micromanager leaves the scene? There's chaos or there's just, uh, everything's frozen in time because people don't know how to do anything because they're, they're stuck. Um, but the opposite of micromanagement, that charisma, it still creates the same problem when they're absent. So yeah, that was that was definitely something I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and that that is a risk if if you are if you become the font of all knowledge and wisdom, then then yeah, of course people are going to defer to you. And if you're not there, then they they're a bit paralysed. Okay, that's that's another risk. Um, I think another risk is that that you know people abuse this power. So there are some leaders who abuse their charismatic authority that are. Um, either lead people into situations that are not in their their interests um or are doing things that are actually unethical in themselves you know perhaps um breaking the law or abusing people and so on and and we have seen this in in some uh business settings so that's another risk i think with charisma yeah, it, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Stephen, because it made me think about the uh, inclusivity concerns. You know, someone who's charismatic, they don't like somebody that doesn't agree with them. So what do they do? They bring up, they, they basically build their team or their gang of individuals that are following them. And then you got the poor the poor blokes over there in the corner that don't necessarily agree with everything. And, and then there's the bullying that occurs. Um, and it may happen unintentionally, mm-hmm. but you're creating silos when you have those that agree with the charismatic leader and then you've got these ones over here that become the opposite of that. And you can definitely see that um, in all walks of life. Um, politically speaking, sure, you have you have two diametrically opposed situations, especially in the United States. And I'm not going to dig any deeper than that, <laughs> but it's it's uh, but, it, but again, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Some team members feeling left out or even marginalized mm. because they don't fall in line with you're supposed to like this. You know, it's just like if you want to create a problem, tell somebody I'm not really much for Star Wars or I'm not really much for Star Trek or, you know, it's like, wow, it says the people come out of the woodwork attacking you. But in the same sense, and I agree is like, what's wrong with you if you don't like Star Wars or Star Trek? I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, Steven, obviously, but- they are weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the 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 inclusivity concerns mm. are are where I would I would see another danger. Yeah, and and there's also a, a practical element there as well. You know, we, um, we there's a lot of good evidence uh, to suggest that actually you need 
a diverse opinions or you need diverse opinions within your team because that avoids this this whole group think problem where you know there's only ever one view and again this is likely to come from the leader if they are charismatic without being aware of the risks so i suppose a, a message oh. that i i try to get across to my learners when i'm talking about charisma is that um there's some really useful skills around charismatic communication for instance and the idea of trying to align team goals with individuals needs psychological needs and their own goals seems like a really sensible thing to do but there's also a line that or there's a dark side of that there's a there's a place you can go that starts to exploit people and um, undermines their own agency and what they want to do and that's that's where you know we do see that happening unfortunately in the workplace um and, and i would suggest um I would suggest that over the last sort of, well, I've been doing this this training malarkey for about twenty years now, so I'm, I'm, you know, getting quite long in the tooth. But I reckon in the last sort of two decades, around the time I've been doing this, the idea of things like transformational leadership, which is the one that's used more perhaps these days, um, as a much better model than what used to be the case, which was like a transactional leadership style um has has grown into the accepted best practice and i was one of those people i think who without even thinking about it thought that's got to be better so the idea that work the workplace is a transaction you know so i get paid to do a job um i'll do that job up to the standard that is the standard required for payment um and there's this this transactional contract between me and the work and the workplace or the, the management and um, that feels like a really cold and not very exciting way to lead so this idea of transformational leadership is very attractive to me that the idea is that actually you want to dig into people's goals and identity and make them really identify with the organization and that they really care about what they're doing and we can use their um, their intelligence and they can they can enjoy what they're doing it gives them meaning and purpose so on and so on and so on sounds all really really exciting but there is a dark side to this and that is that if you take the transactional elements away mm. then actually the work force themselves don't have any power anymore and then yes. all the power is is with the the leadership and management, and that's something that I just hadn't really thought about until you know fairly recently, really. Oh, that's that's uh, I'm gl- glad you brought this up. We're really really jiving here, thinking alike, because I was um, <clears throat> I was recently uh, talking with a group about uh, one of my favorite guys is Simon Sinek, and um, but he has this golden circle, and it's the why. And uh, so many times, uh, everyone's so focused on what you do and how you do it. And, and they, they forget about the whole why. And um, I remember he gave a great, a great short illustration. He said that there was somebody, this might, might uh, being in the UK, seeing the cathedrals and the castles there. But um, he walked up to, there was three masons that were working on the site. And he asked the uh, first one, he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm laying brick. And he asked the second person, he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a wall. And then he asked the third person, he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm making a cathedral. And, you know, he got to the point of, he was just saying, that's the why. 
He's like, so, so helping people to understand there's a purpose to their being, what it is they're doing there, because you're right. When, when these other things, that transactional uh, problem, and that happens in relationships and in the work environment, if it's transactional, Hey, what happens when your car declines? Well, you can't, you can't buy the meal or you can't buy the tires for your car, the clothing. And so the same thing happens in the workplace when you just make everything transactional because, you know, receiving a paycheck for your work, that's a, that's more of a, an end result and not, it's true, not it's a true, lie. but I'm, I'm going to um, sort of push back it against that a little bit. Right. In that, yeah, yeah. So let's disagree. Let's disagree. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Agreeably. Um, yeah, so I better, I, get a, this... I better get a swig of coffee. Before Go and have we get... coffee. Um, we'll talk about leads afterwards. Um, but yep, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this was this is my point in a way is that I, that's kind of where I've come from. So I'm not I'm I'm not disagreeing that it's really important to um, have more than just a transactional relationship. I think I think I want to think if I'm a leader or a manager that I'm able to work with my team to help them achieve more than just that. So, yeah, they get they get a kick out of it. They enjoy it. They, yep. they're able to satisfy some of these basic psychological needs uh, like achievement and so on and so on. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. And, and all the research suggests that that's, that's important. Um, but I suppose my, my, my pushing against um, that the worries about transactional leadership is that if we eliminate that altogether, so if we make that so unimportant, then what, what we are in danger of doing is removing the power of the worker from that relationship if you does, does that make sense so if, yeah, if I, can see, I can see where you're you coming know, from if i'm um working for somebody and this ha- this is happening in quite a lot of high profile sort of disaster um examples of charismatic leadership gone crazy so uh, we can talk about some examples that have been big in the news i mean the we work example is a good one if if you've ever if you've not seen the documentary i recommend you watch the documentary or listen to the podcast wondery has a great uh, podcast about this very subject it's um, the business has changed quite a lot now so i want to make clear that i'm talking about the old we work um but the the situation you got into was that they created a workplace there that was so much about Adam Newman told everybody he was about changing the world. Now, actually, what they were doing is they were selling desk space. You know, that's really what WeWork is yeah, about, yeah. Is, is renting a desk for a few days or or longer. Yeah. That's But in his mind, he was changing the world. So when you asked him, what what's the business about? It's about changing the world. And he created this uh, feeling within people that worked for him that actually they were on a mission. They were on a mission to change the world, the world of we, and that was what they were going to do. Now, if you do that, then you can start to say, well, do we need to pay people for quite as much as we, the market rate? Because actually they're getting a lot more than just the salary. They're getting a way of life and they're contributing to something really important. It's almost like a spiritual thing. So oh. they become they become more like disciples or followers Um and they are on a mission now to do something wonderful, to do something great. As soon as you get to the stage where you're saying to yourself, well, the salary might not be as good as somewhere else, but I really want to work for these people. But what's happening is, is you're, you're 
the bit of power that the worker has, the employee has, um, is being reduced because actually that's your bit of power. The fact that I have something that you as an employer need, and that's my labor, that's my skill, that's my that's my um whatever I've learned over the years. This gives me an inherent value that I can now sell to you. And it gives me some power in that relationship. So that's, that's the only thing I would say is yes, I agree. And that's why I've been really keen on transformational leadership, but Mm -hmm. there is a risk that if we undermine the transaction altogether, then we end up expecting our employees to work for us just because they love it. And I think that's dangerous. Oh, but I agree with you on that. So see, we, we got through that without any without any major fisticuffs. But I, I definitely want to check that out. That yeah. sounds that sounds interesting because that almost leads me to believe. I don't know how it how it turned out. Don't spoil the ending for okay. me. I want to I want to watch the uh, the, the show. Mm. But maybe maybe uh, one of the dangers of charismatic leadership is there's a short term focus, um, and uh, so what that to me means is they're gonna. They're going to look for the quick wins. They're going to prioritize the short gains, um, short-term games, because they're so focused on their image and popularity. And at the end of the day, what they're uh, they're basically neglecting the long-term strategic planning. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, they just they just get so hyper fixated on feeding that ego mm-hmm. and taking care of. Oh, we can have this small win. Let's get something out there. And what they don't realize is uh, it's they're, they're basically rearranging the uh, deck chairs on the Titanic, <laughs> the the big yeah. model sinking, and uh, yeah. they're telling everybody keep playing your violin, it's okay, <laughs> you know, and um, and they'll blindly follow because they've created that dependence, that over dependence on them. Yeah, another good example is um, this uh, the Theranos um, uh, business. I don't know whether you, I'm sure you sort of saw some of that in the news um and elizabeth holmes was it um, i think it was I think elizabeth it was holmes. elizabeth holmes yeah i mean she's serving jail time now so um you know this is this is what can happen you know she um i think she exuded uh, charisma you know she was a young woman 19 year old um attractive with a deep booming voice which incidentally she practiced which mm. brings you back to your your Hitler analogy at the beginning. Not, I'm not likening those two people particularly, but um, but there was a, a performative element to that. She'd worked out, you know, essentially she wanted to be a sort of Steve Jobs type character, and she thought, well, how do I do that? So she had one yeah. outfit she wore all of the time: the polo neck um, and mm-hmm. the, the the black trousers, suits, and um, again the the sort of deep voice and the fact that she was so young um all of these things and again she had this confidence you know i i have a system that can do this and she'd um really with great confidence explained that that she had this system that could run hundreds of tests on a blood sample just from the prick of a a pin prick on the finger Mm. um she managed to get grizzled old politicians who've been around around the block a lot to invest in her company uh millions yeah. and millions of dollars um so again you know charisma has this this danger just and and as as it's becoming obvious actually that she doesn't have anything um just reminding me when you gave the titanic example you know she's she is 
filling around, rearranging the the deck chairs as it's um, oh. as it's sinking. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, it's it's a it's a lot to uh, to really uh, take in. But um, I was thinking about um, how the charismatic leader can sometimes get stuck in the old way of doing things, if that makes sense. And, um, yeah. you know, I mean, even, even myself, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'll say middle-aged man, I'm, I'm, I'm 46 years old and just the, the gap in the way that I went through things earlier on in life. And when you're leading people that perhaps are much younger and then you have generate, you have generations that are older, but, uh, how, how do you, again, take that, that style of charisma and capture the attention of individuals. Cause they'll look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know, <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, I, this, I've come up with the greatest way to explain this. And they all just look at you like you've totally lost me, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, so, you know, that, that can, that can definitely be a challenge versus maybe perhaps picking some, some uh, tried and true methods of leadership that, are really principles to guide you that will work with anyone. Um, whereas charisma, you're trying to capture the attention of the latest trend. And we've all seen how quickly trends come and go. And so, so your, your effective leadership, if you lean heavily on that. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't really thought of that, actually. That's interesting. I need to give that a bit of thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good yeah. point. Um, uh, that, that relates, I suppose, to that, um, communication element the uh the charismatic communication it, it is interesting i mean perhaps going off on a little bit of a tangent here but um mm -hmm. so i'm pretty much exactly 10 years older than you um and i have noticed that sort of popular references that i have made over the years you know you do have to uh, at some point you start to recognize that these are no longer meaningful you know so when i first did my training 20 years ago i was not one of the youngest perhaps but um certainly not the oldest in the room but now as time goes on i'm i'm mostly the oldest person in the room a lot of the time and so yeah there's a lot of references there that i think well actually they're not going to know that they're not going to know what i'm talking about <laughs> so you have to be careful that you yeah, don't show yeah. your age in that respect yeah that's true yeah. um all right so if we were to sort of sum up um, what what we've said uh, in this early episode of our podcast, so we're still feeling yeah. our feet here. But what have we? Sure. What have we sort of what conclusions have we come to? Yeah, um, I, I think uh, I, if I was going to just make one thing noted is that everybody's going to have different reactions to different types of leadership, mm. and so ultimately, um, I think about for those of you listening. What have you experienced that you liked about leadership that perhaps was charismatic or what did you not like about that? Um, because, again, some people, they need more of that charisma and other people, they don't. And then I think it really even if you wanted to dissect it even further, it can really depend on what type of job do you have. I mean, I think about uh, getting into the engineering field, if you're trying to uh look at uh, perhaps an application and you're talking about gears and electric motors. I don't know how much charisma exists there, <laughs> you know, cause you're dealing with, with, with a very, very straightforward engineering and, and just it's, it's binaries, it's zeros and ones when you're doing programming, whereas maybe you're, you're getting into, you're educating someone on how to be a teacher. 
well, then maybe that is where you want the charisma. And then who is your audience? Like if, if I'm never going to see these people again, then sure, I pour on more of the charisma because I'm wanting to get them so excited about this. They're going to want more. So they'll go talk to whoever it is in their local region about this product or whatever, you know? So it's, it's, it's so, uh, it's so all over the place, I guess you could say, you know, if you put all the pros and cons in a basket and weighed them, it might come out even based on who you're talking to and maybe not. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I suppose my, um, overriding thought about charisma is that it, it's not a replacement for honesty and, for um actual competence and actual care um so actually these things are really really important so i i don't want to use charisma as a way of making up for the fact that i actually don't really care but i'm just gonna i'm gonna hide that by being all charismatic charismatic um and it i don't also don't want to hide the fact that i'm not able to manage a project effectively by just being charismatic so i think it's one of those areas where clearly there are some benefits to being able to communicate in a charismatic way. I think you can train that. I do believe you can train those things. So for instance, um, learning how to be able to tell a story or to use a metaphor or, you know, um, when and when not to tell a joke or to use humor. I think people can learn these things. Um, But I think trying to put it on as a kind of overcoat you know to to make up for some other uh detrimental qualities is not is not the right way to go so i don't think it's a solution to that um yeah, agree i think there are some benefits to being able to communicate charismatically there's clearly some importance around being able to align your goals and the mission the vision that you have to other people's needs but i think the point you made before was that's really related to getting to know them and to caring Mm -hmm. about them so that that's another way you can actually achieve that rather than trying to bend other people to your will so yeah Yeah, so they're they're my takeaways i think yeah that's that's great i I just uh i guess maybe uh one final thought i was thinking is just charisma should be like um it accompanies something it's yeah it's it should it should enhance something again um if the steak was cooked well and it was a good cut of beef then um the salt and pepper is like an extra thing to it but it's the steak that should matter um and you use it sparingly you know it's like if you overdo it with spices you can ruin a meal and a charismatic leadership can ruin good leadership very quickly but if it's sprinkled on there and it's the right amount at the right time then I think that it can definitely be something that it enhances mm. um, your ability to lead people. Wow. Well, I feel hungry now after all these uh, food metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've still got an hour and a half before my lunchtime. So so I've got myself all worked up and the coffee is <laughs> not doing anything to help that. <laughs> great. Well, um, that's great. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, I did so too. It was a pleasure. Listeners, um, Join us, subscribe if you're listening on a podcast app or if you're listening on YouTube, watching us on YouTube, subscribe to that. Um, Put some comments in there for us. If you're interested in any particular subject you want us to cover, then, you know, please do that. Um, I 
have a uh, training school, an online training school that you can subscribe to. Again, if you're on YouTube, you can find it there. Um, so it would be great to have you along to that. So, but the main thing is to just keep watching this and tell us what sort of topics you wanna you want us to cover, and we'd really love to do that. Absolutely, couldn't agree with you more, Stephen. Cool. Well, thank you very much, and we'll talk about leads off there. Uh, bye for now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you.